It is really good to be with you this morning. And before we begin our time of worship, I need a shout out to the people that are joining us online. There are a couple of people that have literally phoned me and excused themselves from church because they said they can barely walk because they've been so busy with the golf day preparations, but they're going to be watching online. So we're going to say hey to you and thank you so much for everything that you've done. And Michael says that he wants to know if we are missing him. And I said, of course we're missing you, Michael, and we can't wait for you to come back, but thank you so much. And he's getting better and he'll be back next week. But what a joy to worship together today. It is a privilege for us to welcome you, Elizabeth, to be with us today. Thank you. Elizabeth joins us all the way from the, the children's homes to share a little bit of the journey with us later. And if you are new and you're worshiping with us as a visitor or you're just in town for a while, we really welcome you um, today. And it is truly a joy to celebrate the gift of giving and to thank God for all your incredible gifts and support of the Golf Day. I know that Carolyn has done a phenomenal job with her team. And so thank you, Carolyn, to you and your team. So friends, we gather in May to continue our time of worship. So won't you join me, please, as we stand together for the call to worship. We are the community of faith that has been created by the love of God. We are the people who are open to that breathe by the word of forgiveness in Christ. We have come not to parade our own goodness, but to praise the holiness of God. We have come not to boast of what we have done, but to proclaim the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. With all our being, we will praise you, O God, and tell of all your kindness towards us. Amen. Thanks, Dave. When we come into this place, we are um, expectant, and we're asking God to meet with us and for us to meet with him.
I'm going to invite the children to come up um, now and join me. And while you do, we have a special video that is going to tell us what's happening for VBS in the next couple of weeks. So let's have a look at this video. guys, join us in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to ask Chaplain Rose. She's going to be giving us our time together today. This is the fastest, quickest children's moment ever. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> so uh, my name is Rose, and I'm a different kind of a pastor. You guys have a lot of pastors that are ladies here. So I'm a little different, right? Because I used to work with people that were sick and people that were dying. So that's what a chaplain does. They go and they visit and they spend time with folks who are at their last days. So do you guys have GPS on your phones? Yeah, what does it do? Yeah, anybody else? What about if it in your car? Do you guys have GPS in your car? Yeah? Yeah, so back in the Stone Age when Chaplain Rose was your age, we had these things called maps, right? And we couldn't unfold them because once we unfolded them, we could never put them back together, <laughs> right? So that's the truth. So I, I'm glad that technology has come our way and that we now have GPS. So if I said to you, how do you get to God? What would you say? You would pray, good job, what else? Last week we talked about how would people even know that we're Christians? Is it because we wear stuff around our neck? No. They'll know us by our love, right? So in today's scripture, Jesus says, and it's almost like Simon Says, right? You guys know how to play Simon Says? Let's do this real quick. Come on, stand up. Come on, we're going to do this. <laughs> All right, Simon Says, touch your nose. Simon Says. Turn around in a circle. Sit down. Oh, good job. You guys are smart. All right, have a seat. <laughs> so Jesus says in our scripture this morning, I 
am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. So if we do things the way Jesus would do them, people will know that we're Christians, they will know us by our love, and they will know that we are transforming the world to make it a better place. So to do that, Chaplain Rose has brought little compasses. Please do not put them in your ears or your nose or any other place so that your parents say to me, what? The children are going to leave us now as they go off to their um, time, and they'll join us a little bit later on as we join together for communion. Thanks, Dave. The Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name.
Good morning. You may be seated, at least for a minute. <laughs> I'm Pastor Lisa, and if you join with me for this morning's prayer. Gracious and loving Creator, sometimes the words just are not there. God, you are so amazing that our words and our thoughts of how best to praise you pale in comparison to the splendors of your name. You are the Almighty. You are the Redeemer. You are grace, never-ending, and the embodiment of love itself. And when we come to you in prayer, sometimes the words fail us in what to say. Yes, we lift up our concerns, and yet sometimes they seem so small in comparison to the tribulations encountered across your creation. How can our problems compare to disasters people face, or the fighting that surrounds people trying to escape, or the horrors that no child should ever experience. Lord God, sometimes when we come to you to pray, we're clueless as to what we should ask for. You know the thoughts in our minds and the desires of our hearts, and there are times when they conflict. Sometimes we want what is not the best for us, and there are times that we long to hold on to things that we should let go of. There are times when really the best thing we can do is just pray. Pray that thy will be done. In these moments, dear God, we are so thankful for the lessons of your son, Jesus Christ, for teaching us the words to pray when our owner is insufficient, for our tradition that teaches Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Amen. Friends, we will receive the offering as, as we do that. I'm going to invite you to a time of worship. There is a song, am I right? And let us sing the song Seated as we receive the offering this morning. Won't you please rise? How lovely is your dwelling place, O oh Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even waits for you. For
Lord God, we come before you and we bring to you our gifts today. As we receive the offering today, God, we also pray a blessing on all the money that was raised yesterday at the golf day. We know, Lord God, that the generosity of donors and people that gave so generously to the children's home gave it to touch the hearts of children because of your love. And so we give you our time. We give you our talents, and we give you our treasure, and pray that you would use it for the extension of your kingdom. Amen. Friends, please grab a seat. Now this time you can sit. Thanks so much. <laughs> dance it, dance it. <laughs> can you imagine doing that? Okay. Um, right. So friends, it is a privilege for us to look at the life of ministry in this church and for us to welcome Elizabeth to share with us a few stories about the children's home and what's happening in the life of the children's home. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, it is certainly a delight and a privilege to be back here with you once again. I missed you all last year. I think I was at conference, so it was good to be back among everyone yesterday. If you can, if your body will allow, and you participated yesterday, please stand up. 
you were a player, if you were a volunteer, thank you. You all are an incredible body of Christ, and the seeds that you sow into the children's home each and every day are evident. They're evident in the children that you are helping to transform. The children, especially in our foster care program here in Broward and Palm Beach counties, you see these children come and live with these wonderful foster families. Uh, in particular, there's a foster family who only wanted one or two children. But then they realized from speaking with our staff that there was a greater need. So they found a, a bigger house so they could accommodate more children. And then there was a family who took on teenage boys. We, some of us have been there, haven't we? And they nurtured those boys alongside the biological parents. And you see, in this instance, those boys were lucky because their parents were willing to do what they needed to do to get their children back. Not all our children are. And so our foster parents came alongside them. They mentored those biological parents and they supported them. And I'm happy to report that those boys are back home with their parents today. Amen? Amen. And it's the children like Wren who came to us as an atheist. You see, Wren and her sister had been placed separately in the system for over 13 years. Imagine having a sibling who you're not even able to see on a regular basis. Well, her sister came to the children's home and we found out about Wren. And so we put our powers to work, our mighty powers, and we said we want Wren to come and live at the children's home because the girls were both struggling with anxiety. And so that came to fruition. But friends, you know, one of the things that we really try to sow into our children at the children's home is faith, hope, and love. And if you were at the golf tournament yesterday, you heard me reference 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Faith. Many of our children have never experienced faith when they've come to the children's home. So we're able to sow the word of Christ into their hearts. Many of them have lost hope and a brighter future. If you have hope, you have nothing. We're able to sow hope back into their hearts, hope in a brighter future. And of course, we're able to sow seeds of love thanks to your generosity as well. Because of course, we all want to be loved, right? Well, back to Wren. You see, Wren was an atheist when she came to us. She was very proud to tell us that she was an atheist. But thanks be to God, your generous support, and in the encouragement and support of our staff, today, Christ lives in her heart. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Ren is part of our praise team on Sunday morning. She's involved in Bible studies throughout the week, and she and her sister are now able to be together and live together as siblings. We're so excited to see Wren and her sister grow. You see, when Wren came to us, she was failing in school. And as you all know, we have an on-campus school at Enterprise. 
And so now I'm proud to tell you that Miss Wren is making A's and B's instead of C's, D's, and F's. She's also part of our newsletter that we've started on campus, and she has her own little section. So she's thriving, and we're very excited to see where Wren and her sister and all of the others that you help to care for each and every day, all 300 plus throughout all the programs that we have at the Children's Home. You are extraordinary and you are changing lives. And for that, we are very grateful. And I just wanna say thank you on behalf of your Florida United Methodist Children's Home. This time I'd like to invite Pastor Jackie on up. Once again, you all are among our top 25 giving churches through the whole conference for 2022. Pastor Jackie, we recognize the top 25 churches each and every year for those who pour so graciously and abundantly into the children's home. In recognition and appreciation, this certificate is presented to New Horizons United Methodist Church in sincere appreciation for being a top 25 giving church. Are you ready to know how much you gave? I'm glad you're sitting down. $60,223. That is actually an amazing testimony to this church's generosity. Absolutely. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I hope yesterday would be more than this. <laughs> That's for this year. Friends, thank you so much for your generosity. And it truly is a blessing to hear the difference. Sometimes money, like we, we get to see money, but we don't get to see the difference it makes. But here we get to hear about that difference. So thank you so much for that. We are having a very special weekend next weekend, and we have a video clip for you to see about what's happening here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's here for the first time at New Horizons United Methodist Church, situated in the great city of Southwest Ranches. The music department presents to you a wonderful pre-Mother's Day event on the church grounds. The address is 5741 South Flamingo Road. Guess what, guys? There's food trucks, live performances, crafts, a bounce house for the kids, games, prizes, surprises, and much more. You can't afford to miss this great event. The start time is 12 p.m. until 6.30 p.m. Come on out in great numbers and enjoy yourself immensely for the pre-Mother's Day event. See you soon. See you then. We look forward to seeing you next week. I think it's going to be a whole bunch of fun on Saturday. Let's join together as we sing the hymn, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Before me, the cross before me. 
to Dave and the worship team for leading us this morning. Our passage today comes from the Gospel of John, and I'm reading to you from the 14th chapter, and we're reading 14 verses today. John chapter 14 from 1 to 14. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, what I've told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and I will take you to be with me so that where I am, you will also be. You know the way to the place that I am going. Thomas asked, but Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have really known me, you will also know the Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father that we may be enough for us. Jesus replied, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been with you for all this time, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I have spoken to you, I don't speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Trust me when I say, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on account of the works themselves. I assure you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. They will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Father can be glorified in the Son. When you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. Friends, how many of you read a book and go to the end while you're busy reading? 
How many of you watch a movie and go to the end or Google the end of a series? How many of you wish when you were watching your favorite sports team that you could predict the end? <laughs> How many of you have placed bets on those sports teams? This is the moment of better way confession. <laughs> None of us do that. Well, I'm wanting to tell you that we've got the end. I mean, isn't that amazing? Jesus' disciples were distraught. There was absolute chaos in Jerusalem. They had come for their holy time for the Passover feast. And Jesus was busy preparing them for the end. He was about to be beaten, crucified, whipped, betrayed, denied. And in order for them to be ready for what was going to happen, he gave them a picture of the end. It really, all of this is not going to matter, Jesus was telling his disciples, because I have secured the end result. Isn't that something that all of us long for somewhere? You know, we want the good story of a child that becomes vulnerable and displaced without a family. We want to know that that's going to end well. We had this longing as people for a good ending. We write books about happy endings. We, we feel content when the story tells a good story at the end. There is a deep longing in us as people for things to be good, to end well. And so that is really at the heart of how Jesus speaks to his disciples. He says to them, I don't want you to be worried or troubled. And we have to receive that in the midst of the great agony and pain that Jesus is about to face. And so it begins to become for us a pattern that we hold on to. That I am going to a place to prepare a special place for you. And Jesus brings an analogy of home. Living in South Florida, one of the first questions people ask you is, where are you from? You know, that's kind of like, you know, where, you know, where did you come from? Because, and you have loads of answers. And, uh, you know, people want to know, like, were you born in Florida is the second question. I think it's, you know, and it's like the sense of where you belong. Jesus also answers a very deep question of belonging. So this is my passport. This is very important for me right now. Very important. Probably my most treasured possession, which I lost a few weeks ago, I want to tell you. I turned that house upside down and it was in the drawer where I left it. So... <laughs> The, the place I didn't look in the beginning. So this is really important because on this passport and in this passport are all sorts of things. First of all, it kind of gives me legitimacy to belong to some country in the world. And then if you open it up, there are all sorts of visas that some are stamped and some will even give you like legitimacy to be where you are. And in the middle of this, thank goodness, is an R1 visa, which means I can work here. 
And if I get stopped by anybody coming in and out of the country, I can work here. So we know that the essence of being human really draws us to the question of where do you belong? Where is home? And what Jesus does for his disciples, knowing that the, that the Christian faith would take hundreds of years to settle and actually to claim belonging and always struggle with the idea of who's in and who's out and who belongs and who do we exclude and who do we include. Jesus wants us to have a gospel understanding of our Christian faith that goes beyond the boundaries of what we decide belongs or doesn't belong. And so in the midst of the chaos, Jesus says, the end is sorted. I'm going to sort out a place, a home, where you will ultimately find rest and peace. Friday evening, we were part of David Phipps's funeral. A time where friends and family, colleagues, gathered to honor his life and his legacy. And it was in that place where we really spoke the scriptures. He has finally gone home. I am going to prepare a place for you. Trust in me. Trust in my father. I am going to prepare a place for you. The end game has been won. So you would think that because we know the end game, it would make living in the game easy, right? I mean, it, really, it should be. We know that ultimately God has settled for us eternity. So then why is life so hard to live at times? Why is faith so hard to understand when we know the end game? We struggle in the in-between. Why is it sometimes so hard to let go of life? And so we see that Jesus does two things in the middle. He says to them, now remember, these are his last words. This is his graduation speech. This is the last thing he is really teaching his disciples. He says to them, you know the way. Now, Rose spoke to you about maps. Who used to open maps? Who still opens maps? <laughs> okay, well, you are amazing people. I, I never really know which way to hold the map because <laughs> I have to hold it in the direction that the car is going. And um, often that's upside down. I absolutely love that GPS, mostly because it's been taking me some time to get used to where I live and where I need to go. But ultimately, I love seeing the options. If you know you put in that like address and then you have those blue lines and you look for the red, you look for the yellow, and you click on which one is going to go faster or which is going to be further. Or I love that. I love the choices of the map. It's like my best thing ever. And I'm obsessed with it. I keep on, it doesn't matter if I'm going to Publix, I'll put it in just to see. <laughs> I just want to know where's the traffic and where's that red line. Um, but ultimately, Jesus patterns the way. He becomes that, that blue line for us. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, 
and I am life. And then this gets very confusing for Philip and Thomas because they, they don't exactly know what Jesus is saying. And Thomas says, well, we, ha- we don't understand at all. We can't see the way you're going. And then Philip gets even more irritated and says, well, we don't even know what you mean when you talk of the Father. And Jesus begins to explain that he is the living image of the Father. He invites us into a discussion and into a faith journey of community. Part of what we've been looking at, and if you've been following the scriptures, and and Pastor Peyton spoke to this last week, the idea of community is in the essence of the gospel message. Anybody put in their phone the ICE number in case of emergency? Who's got an ICE number loaded in? It's very simple. Jesus is the ICE number of our lives. I mean, like, I'm giving you phone analogies today. Jesus is the ice number of our lives. We just plug him in as who to contact in case of emergency. So really what we start to have to ask ourselves is that if we, if we read Jesus is the, the way, the truth, and the life, we sometimes get a little bit misplaced with the idea of, well, that means if you don't follow Jesus, you're excluded for the rest of forever. But ultimately, the essence of Jesus's teaching and what John captures for us in this gospel is Jesus is the way. In other words, Jesus is the path. Early Christians were known as the people of the way. How are we becoming more and more like Jesus? What would Jesus do in this circumstance? Jesus came to show us, as Shane Claiborne says, Jesus came to show us what God is like, a way that we can touch and a way that we can follow. Jesus showed us compassion. Jesus showed us justice. Jesus showed us healing. Jesus showed us love. Jesus showed us sacrifice. Jesus taught us to turn the other cheek. Jesus taught us to touch the deep wounds of other people and not to squirm away from their pain. Jesus told us to look for the rejected and bring them in. Jesus told us to prepare banquets for people that don't get invited to gala dinners. Jesus taught us how to surrender ourselves completely to the will of God. Jesus taught us not to exclude, but to include. And so he gives us a picture of who God is. So ultimately, for thousands of years, we as Christians and the Christian community have been interpreting what Jesus means when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we have to ask ourselves this question that when people look at us as Christians, as people, do they see a way that they want to follow who holds our hearts? When people see us as a church, do they see a way that actually brings people into a deep, life-transforming relationship? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And how do we become that way for other people. The final thing that Jesus says in this passage is he says, 
ask whatever you want to in my name, and it will be done. One of the conversations that I've been part of in numerous places in the life of this church is where is God leading us in the next generation? It's been the one consistent discussion. Church that is just over 40 years has got a phenomenal testimony of a massive generosity and it has touched the hearts of this community for over 40 years. And as you know, that is a full generation. But the question that we ask each other, and particularly when we look at our church, is where is God leading us in the future? There is a word, if you Google, it will tell you that there have been some scientists and sociologists and anthropologists and ethnographical people that decided that this era is known as a VUCA era. And what does that, that mean? Is that the community and the world is volatile. You just have to drive to Miami to know that's true. Uh, <laughs> that the world is uncertain. A couple of weeks ago, we had horrific floods. We look at the world, the globally, is uncertain. It also says that the world is complex. It's not simple. And then it says that the world is ambiguous. But you see, the world has always been uncertain. The world has always been ambiguous. The world has always been complex. And the world has always had volatility. There's nothing new about that. The essence of what we look for is who are we as Christians in that place. And so we read this passage. And it reminds us that we come to our knees as Christians. Particularly now. When our heart's desire as a community is to ask in the name of Jesus for Jesus to teach us how to minister to the next generation. Because our hearts must be burdened for that. It is, it is whatever we face in our lives right now, we know that at, as you come up for communion today, that I know in this room there are people that are struggling with illness, that there are people that are going to have procedures this week, that there are people that are going to be having communion at home, that are in recovery, that there are people that are in deeply challenged relationships. So ultimately, we bring everything to the foot of the cross for the name of Jesus is powerful. And that covers everything. And so today as we come to communion, we are reminded that the results are already in. You've won the jackpot. That when we live out our lives, how we live truly matters. And ultimately, what we ask in the name of Jesus will be done. So let us pray together. Lord God, we pray as a church community that you will keep revealing to us what it means to minister to the next generation. You know, God, that around the world, 
Churches are struggling, especially after COVID. Many churches are struggling to reach young people, struggling to find the way. We just don't know what that route looks like. But we pray, God, that in our community, you would open the pathways. You would open the way for us to reach young families, young children, the next generation. We pray, God, that when people think of us, that this will be a church that points to Jesus, that we will live out our lives as a grace-loving community. Some of us need to hear today that you are with us. For those, Lord God, that are facing challenges this week, some of us are looking for work. Some of us are facing medical procedures. Some of us are recovering. Some of us are in deeply challenging relationships. And in the name of Jesus, we ask for a miracle. So when we come to this table of mercy, that is a reminder for us that we are loved. We pray that we will feast triumphantly at this communion table. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, we come to communion now. And so I invite those that will be serving communion, if you will please come and stand along the back so that we will be ready when we begin to give the elements. I think the children are probably going to join us right now, so let them come on in. Are the kids here? Are they on their way? Okay, good. You know, oh, here they come. Come on in. Come grab a seat. So can I ask you not to get out of your seats, but just to look around you and find somebody near you and turn around and just offer them the peace of Jesus. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And so friends, I invite you to follow us. The Lord be with you. We lift them. We lift up your hearts. We dedicate our heads, our hearts, and our hands to be the worship of God. Our entirety to the great God, Muhammad Arthur Valley, and Bal Shah Saman, which backed out the seven seas and populated the world with his name. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
who created us and fashioned us from the dust and breathed into us the breath of life. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus, who came to us in spite of our destructive ways. He healed the sick, raised the dead, and calmed the storm. In the brief time that he was with us, he decided with the effect, had compassion for those who suffer, and gave dignity to taught us in word and deed by the God who has been unable to boast. In spite of his glory revealing presence, he turned him into a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus was persecuted by certain religious leaders and betrayed by one of his own. He was lied about, tortured, and hung on a cross Yet even on the day of his crucifixion, Jesus continued to believe in God. And evil people came and infected him. Jesus did not respond with violence, choosing instead to remind us to live by the faith in Christ. When he was arrested and condemned to death, Jesus refused to be calm. And while hanging on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But we give you thanks, whatever forever will be able to separate us from your love, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Early on the morning of the third day, Jesus passed through Jericho, shed his gray clothes, and walked among us alone. Forty days later, he came to Bethsaida, where he is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. Our eyes are turned towards the cross, looking for the day when Jesus shall return to Christ's throne, where the lion will lie down peaceably with the lamb, where sickness and disease are not more, where the wicked will cease from troubling, and we will study war. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared the meal with his disciples. He took bread from the table, gave thanks to God, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the meal was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this this is the blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Today, Jesus remembered the bread and the cup. Today, we remember your life and your death. We remember your resurrection. We remember eternal life. As we receive these gifts in praise and thanksgiving, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Holy God, pour out your spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine. Make them for us the body and blood of Christ. Wonder-working God, pour out your spirit upon us as we offer ourselves to be God's presence in this world 
until Jesus returns in glory. Almighty God, we, your people, cry out to you on behalf of our community. Have mercy upon all who suffer from the evils of poverty. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy upon all who have lost their way. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy upon all who have been offended by the church. Have mercy, Lord. Amen. Friends, those who are going to be handing out communion, if you'll please come forward. have a couple of stations where you can go to. We have your, um, communion by tincture on the side. We have the little cups um, with the bread in the front. We do have these um, COVID-friendly small communions here, as well as the gluten-free. Won't you draw near with faith as we celebrate the gift of God's love this morning? Amen.
we just check that everybody has received communion? Please don't forget that we do have communions available if there's people at home, friends or family that weren't able to partake today. Please, if you would just pick them up off the rail on your way out. let us pray. God, we thank you that in this simple meal that sometimes makes complete sense to us and other times we have no clue about, there is a promise of deep transformation. This meal changed the world. And as we have eaten today, we know, God, that our hearts draw us to heaven. So may our lives truly speak of how heaven lives in our words and our thoughts. Amen. We're going to finish up with a song today, so won't you stand with us as we conclude in worship. shine upon you be gracious to you lord turn his face toward you and give you peace lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you lord turn his face toward you and give you peace
upon you and the thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and their children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you in the morning and in the evening in your coming and your going. to join us for some tea and fellowship in the mission building. Lucy has done a phenomenal job of the silent auction, and there are three things that you get to bid on today. So they're out in the foyer. You can put the bid down, and if you wanted to, needed to collect something, it's also here and will be out, um, be available for you to collect throughout the week. And so now go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that God is for us. May the power of his Holy Spirit bless and be with you all. Amen. Amen. Thanks so Amen. 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 Amen.
Ladies and gentlemen, it's here for the first time at New Horizon United Methodist Church. Situated in the great city of Southwest Ranches, the music department presents to you a wonderful pre-Mother's Day event on the church grounds. The address is 5741 South Flamingo Road. Guess what guys? There's food trucks, live performances, crafts, a bounce house for the kids, games, prizes, surprises, and much more. You can't afford to miss this great event. The start time is 12 p.m. until 6.30 p.m. Come on out in great numbers and enjoy yourself immensely for the pre-Mother's Day event. See you soon. See you then.